Uh, hi, I'm Jen. And I'm Jen. Welcome to Marginalia Pod. Where we treat reading as a sacred practice and find meaning and connections through our favourite books. I would like to begin by acknowledging the Gurungai and Darug people, traditional custodians of the land where I'm recording today, and pay my respects to their elders past and present. And I would like to acknowledge the Wajuk Noongar people, traditional custodians of the land where I'm recording today, and pay my respects to their elders past and present. Ooh, last day. <sighs> I know. It seems so wild. How did we just... How, didn't we just start this book? <laughs> I know. It's a lot. It's just a lot. <sighs> I was like, you're going to love it. It's going to be so good. Like, there's so much good stuff in it. And then, of course, it smashes us to pieces at the end. But that's that's all right. The worst bit is that you know it's going to end like this as well, but you sort of forget. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it literally starts. The prologue is the end. <laughs> Well, before we dive in, let's um, let's have a quick chat so that we're like mm. fortified. So, can you tell me? Did you have any moments of wonder this week? Um, so I think my moment of wonder actually happened yesterday. So I have a friend who wrote a screenplay that's actually being made into a film, and how cool is that? Yay! I just love that my friends are such amazing, talented people. Like I love being talent adjacent, as I said to you yesterday. <laughs> yeah. I just, like, let me bask in your talent. I'm just so happy for her. You know, it's a romantic comedy um, and she is just really funny. And it's about, like, it's called Fado, which is a type of Portuguese musical genre, I guess. Um, it's just really cool. And I just think it's a topic that she's really passionate about and she's really funny. And I just think it's going to be great. And I can't wait to see it, basically. So, yeah, big mm. shout out to Andrea for being a total boss and getting this out there. That is amazing. Congratulations. I've never met you, but Jen likes you, so that is pretty much the highest recommendation. <laughs> and I also cannot wait to see this movie, whatever it's about. Yeah, I will let you know. Maybe we could even watch it together. Who knows? Oh, yeah. That would be a great one shot, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. There you go. Um, mm. How about you? Did you have a moment of wonder this week? It just felt like a very stressful beginning of the week. Um, what with my husband trying to cut his own hand off. I mean, I make it sound way more dramatic than it was. He, he did injure his tendon <laughs> and hit the bone when he cut his finger. So, like, he did have to get surgery. Um, but the surgery went really well. And the surgeon thinks it's all healing up very nicely. And that is in itself a blessing that he injured himself and, like, a day later had surgery. And it was just done. You know, he's literally being pumped full of antibiotics, but you know, that's fine. I'm happy for modern medicine. It is a miracle. Yeah, it um, is. And also my kids are on school holidays now, which is great. Your favorite. It is. It is my favorite because I get to hang out with them. And also I don't have to wake up early or make lunches. So my life just gets so much better for the next three weeks. Yay. Well, I'm glad. I know. And we'll have lots of hangout time when you come to visit if everyone stops coughing on each other. That would be kind. That would be great. Um, come on, Eastern Suburbs, sort out your life. So we're reading the last part of the book, chapters 63 through mm. 67, through the theme of wonder. And we're doing a book wrap up at the end. But Jen... Yeah. Do you have a story about wonder for us today? I do. So we obviously talk about moments of wonder in this podcast all the time. So I was trying to think of a, a moment mm. when I kind of experienced that jaw-dropping, stop-in-your-tracks kind of amazement, right? And for some reason, the, the first memory that came to my mind was when I went to Hobbiton for the first time. So I obviously live in New Zealand, but in 2011, it was the first time I ever went to New Zealand, and... 
it was kind of like my last family holiday with my parents before I moved overseas. And it was kind of like this big last hurrah thing that we did. And one of the things I insisted on doing is that we go to Hobbiton, because obviously I'm a massive Lord of the Rings fan. And why wouldn't you? So we were driving there and it's, you know, Hobbiton is kind of like in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. It's... <laughs> It's in the rural farmland, and it is on a farm. So we got there, and my dad, who doesn't know anything about Lord of the Rings and doesn't really care, he was just like, Where, why are we here? What is happening? Very confused. And it was just really cool because it was just before they started filming The Hobbit. So they had just redone everything for filming, and they made us sign NDAs so that we couldn't talk about what we were saying there and all this stuff. Prior to that, actually, when, when they finished filming Lord of the Rings, they actually stripped it all away. They didn't keep it. It's not like it is now, mm. because they part of filming Lord of the Rings was that you had to put everything back the way that you found it, right? And they didn't know that it was going to be this massive thing. So this was kind of, I guess, the start of them redoing everything with the envisioning it as being a tourism destination for people. Mm-hmm. And it was just so cool. Like, Hobbiton is amazing. I have since been three, four times. <laughs> and I just love it. And every time you walk through this, like, little, you go up the path and you walk through this archway and it's just like, it is like you're there. It's just the, the attention to detail is phenomenal. It's this beautiful part of the world. It's usually just like lovely sunshine and tall grass. And it's just like the people who work there are really into it. And obviously you're there with people who are really into it. And I just remember when I was like the first time I went just being so awestruck that this was a thing that you could go and experience. And I just, it was such pure joy. Yeah, that's my moment of wonder when I think about yeah experiencing that kind of pure sense of amazement and wonder I love that and I also really loved Hobbiton and it was so beautiful I took pictures of all the little mailboxes I thought they were the cutest because mm-hmm. they're all hand painted and they're all different I think you're right the attention to detail is astonishing and that's exactly it right like you'll see a bird on a fence and there's that moment where you go is that a real bird or is that a painted <laughs> bird because you honestly can't tell the fruit on the, the tree is not real is it the tree are, is, are they real is like metal or something Something, isn't it? The, the yeah, big one up on right, the hill. Yeah. yeah. They had to remake it. The original one they pulled up and put up there died. And then they had to remake a 50 year smaller one for The Hobbit. Yeah, so it's a metal tree. I can't remember what happened to the original, whether yeah. they brought it from somewhere else and then took it back again, because there was a lot of mm. picking up random things, like the tree stump that Frodo hides under in the first film. They got that from somewhere else and then took it to where they were filming and then took it away again. And, and now it's quite different. Like, it's changed a lot, Hobbiton. They've got a pub now, so you can go and go to the Green Dragon and drink cider that they make, especially for it and all these things. So it's yeah, very different. Had, um, I had some of the non-alcoholic ginger beer and it was so spicy and so good it's so fun everyone should go it's worth it plus if you do what i do and come to visit you and then drive from wellington it's like a beautiful six hour drive though you get to drive across the island it's amazing yeah i feel like there would be new zealanders listening to this who would be horrified that you would drive all the way there from wellington in a day it was fine it was more fun because i got to see more of it spoken like a true australian it's fine (laughs) six hours whatever guys it's fine all right all right should i do the chapter summaries yes please the citadel tips to the side and a girl falls to her death laszlo rushes into action saving weep and coming fully into his inheritance as godspawn and the son of scathis he finds Sarai's body and carries her to the Citadel, Aww. where he confronts Minya, demanding that she catch Sarai's soul. She does, but there are consequences. And then, to be continued. It's too much. Too much intense emotions in this final bit. Wonder showed up a lot. 
Like, I found it in a lot of places. Like, in the text as well, a couple of times. People wondering things and moments of wonder. I think the one that caught me was Laszlo didn't stop to wonder. And I was like, yeah, yeah. It must be really stressful if he didn't stop to have a gop. And I think the thing that got me about that bit where he says, you know, he didn't stop to wonder, it's so interesting because it's because of wonder that he's there in the first place. It's Thion mm-hmm. coming to him with this new puzzle that he has to solve immediately so he leaves. And if he didn't mm-hmm. have that wonder, he wouldn't have been on the street. And yeah, he wouldn't have been able to have that moment if he hadn't been driven there by wonder. And also, can I just say, I was so thrilled that Thion was there like he, he was there mm-hmm. he turned up but it's because he had to just immediately talk to Laszlo about this new development I just oh, bless him he definitely has feelings for Laszlo I'm seeing it I'm seeing it it might be something yeah. he doesn't have anymore but there's definitely some sort of like weird antagonistic crush going on I don't think he knows like he's not self-aware enough he won't allow himself to to recognize it but I think you're right yeah, and I don't think Laszlo has a clue about it because I think he's probably just like, oh, Thion Nero, he's just annoyed with me all of the time. No. I want to talk about Laszlo being a wonder himself mm. um, and not just because we do find out that he's actually Mesartham. He is the son of Scathus. He can control Mesarthium. He's also like a wonder just as a person who keeps an open mind and like he's a polyglot and he like loves learning and loves stories and he's always willing to connect. Like he's also really self-aware and able to make himself vulnerable to people which I think is a real it shows real strength of character what do you think about that I think that's very true like I think if it was anyone but Laszlo we wouldn't have the same story right the fact that people Mm. have this pause where they see him and he's blue and they don't have that immediate reaction that they would have had if Soraya was down there right that immediate kind of horror because they know Laszlo and because he is such a wonder it allows them that space to go oh we need to question our own biases because we know there's that moment where they talk about his voice his voice was full of wonder and it is their storytelling voice Mm. you know he's by being such an amazing person that everyone loves it forces them to take stock of their own beliefs and I think if Laszlo wasn't who he was that would never happen yeah I love that there's so many comparisons drawn to like what they see him like he turns blue because he's fully in contact with with the Mizarthium. He turns blue. He is Godspawn. Like it's incontrovertible. But the fact that they still have that huge cognitive dissonance of like, but we love this outsider. We love Mm. him. He was our storyteller. They really struggle to reconcile those two things. And that's really important because that's the moment, right? That's the moment when you know you've made an inroad if you're having a difficult conversation with someone. Mm. When they pause and they don't don't just fall back on what they've told themselves is true. That's when you know mm. that you've made an impact and you, you might be able to convince them or show them or lead them down a different, more empathetic path. Yeah, I think that's really true. And I also what I loved about that is that everyone except Thion experienced cognitive dissonance because Thion's already been through this. Like, he's well down mm. the road. He, he was just yeah. like, oh, that's what, okay. <laughs> that explains it. I also want to talk about a little moment of wonder I thought was in Ariel saving Minya, right? So he is so horrified by God's born. He has had this moment mm. where he, you know he has this hatred and all this stuff and he talks about you know his actions weren't his own but his thoughts were and as he moved to grab Minya by the wrist he was surprised to find himself conflicted. He saves her because Minya compels him to save her, to catch her but he also knows that Minya is responsible for his existence and he actually doesn't want to die and I thought that moment of like kind of self-awareness is wonder as well. You think you want one thing and then when push comes to shove there's something more that you want that you hadn't realized. Yeah. Um, I have a question for you. 
you. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the instinct in him, whatever it was pulling him to the anchor, what do you think it was like? Because I think it's like everything is so terrible and everything is happening so much that instinct really takes over. Or do you think it's maybe the fact that he's been in proximity to the anchor enough times or that Thion's mm-hmm. really just come in and like handed him a piece of it and put the suggestion in his mind? Like, I'm, I'm wondering what now? Because he's touched the anchor before. He's been near it before, but he never felt the same call to it, the same pull to it. I think he was called to the anchor because of Thion, because Thion has put this spanner in the works, basically mm. being like, hey, uh, something's happening here and, you know, your spirit reacts in a way that other people's doesn't. And so therefore yeah. he wants to go and investigate for himself. But I think his impulse to catch the anchor, to push it, to stop it from toppling and sinking, I think that's just Laszlo. Yeah. I think he would have done that regardless, even if there was no chance of him ever stopping it, he would still have done it. Yeah, me too. Um, Like Atlas holding up the world. Exactly. That's just who he is, right? Like the Mr. Rogers quote, you know, look for mm. the helpers. He's the helper. Yeah. There's that great thing where he says, always better to run toward than away. Yeah. I loved that. I know, it's so good. And I thought, you know, there was wonder and people watching him attempt that, like his friends and stuff. You know, on page 501, it says, it might have been absurd to see Laszlo attempt it, but nobody laughed and nobody looked away. Because of course he does it, because they know that's just who it is. And I love yeah. that it then says, and so they all saw together what happened next. It had the feel of a shared hallucination. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting interesting point and I always chose that for my in-depth marginalia because I've definitely experienced things that were so surreal that you do that thing with witness confirmation like you're like did you you look to the side did you guys all see that (laughs) that really happened right you do look for other people like and I think there's definitely a lot of that going on here where suddenly what has been static in their sky for 15 years is tipping and the Mm. entire city is at stake and Laszlo's just like all right I'm gonna go stand here by this rock and hold it up and that's I thought wonder as well you know seeing this immovable structure that you thought was immovable tipping both for the people of wheat but also for the god spawn you know they in all their lives the citadel has never so much as stirred it doesn't move Mm. it doesn't nothing happens and then suddenly it's tipping yeah terrifying i would not like that i was thinking about how you don't like earthquakes yeah i mean that's how i still feel about earthquakes every time it happens i'm like nope don't like it whereas people who grew up with it i think have a better relationship with it Yeah, yeah you're just more used to it and just accept it as like a thing that you can get through because it's a known quantity. Um, I want to talk about one more wonder and then I want to talk about Minya for a bit. Um, I love that Laszlo remakes Rasselas into a wonder. Instead of it being this predatory, horrible thing, he turns it into the Rasselas from his dream. Mm. So he really does turn something that's awful into an absolutely wondrous and marvelous thing. Yeah, I really like that as well. And I like that it was something that he's already done in his dream. So this is just a, you know, manifestation of that. And I also Mm. love that in the previous section, Sarai had spoken about how if he could have done that, it would have been a symbol to the people. And then he does. So we have this kind of life nice full circle thing and it's just beautiful so beautiful um how did you find all of the stuff with minya so minya i found incredibly compelling in this section i feel like we've gone through this whole journey with this book so we're learning empathy we're learning how to see the gray spaces in people that there's always you know more nuance to things and we did all that so that we could meet minya here at the end and understand her Mm -hmm. because i thought on page 526 there's the line she was a purpose and she had 
hadn't done it all and even given everything just to lose control now. And that really just jumped out at me. You know, she her entire existence has been narrowed to saving these children. She basically surrendered her own childhood willingly to ensure the survival of all five of them. Yeah, and then, you know, Laszlo turns up on Rasselas and she has to kind of reassert everything. And there's this moment where she says, you know, Minna grasped the full ramifications of Laszlo's existence and understood that this changed everything. And then she says, you know, it feels like a losing of control. And to me, that just screamed danger because she needs that control. This for her is the ultimate challenge. She needs to be in control in order to protect her family. And Laszlo being there means that she can't. And so she kind of unravels. But I find it so interesting because Laszlo only knows Minya through Sarai's perspective of her, where she was vindictive and controlling and... You know, Sarai, for all her ability to see the depths and nuance in other people, she can't really see that in Minya. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think it's really an important thing to note that Minya actually has this real crisis of confidence where she wonders mm. if now that they do have someone who has come and can change Mazarthium, who can manipulate the metal place in which they live, would they even want her? Yeah, yeah. Would they I even want too. to keep her around? Like, what, she's like, what, let me find it. Um, many didn't even know if she would be counted among them or would be swept aside just like her power and her ghosts. They could leave her behind if they wanted, if they decided they didn't want her or simply didn't like her. And what could she do? And that is the child. Like, that's the child that's still in all of that trauma, still wanting to be liked and still not wanting to be killed or left behind or forgotten. And it breaks my heart. And it's like she knows that she's done terrible things and she is unlikable because she believes she has to be in order for them to survive, right? So therefore, the idea that they would just brush her aside, it's hard. Yeah, that's somebody who is not confident in family but also loves and fiercely protects her family i mean like there's a point where she's so angry with laszlo for holding sarai as if sarai is not allowed Mm. to matter to him as much yeah she gets really shirty about that and i think she does love them she does love her family but she's just like super bad at showing it every instinct in me was like i have to go and find that child and give her a hug and also a bedtime like she needs some rules some structure but love Mm. Yeah, it's like she she was never really allowed to have any of that because she just needed to be this fierce protector to get the others through it. And it's so tricky because they've outgrown her, right? Because they're older than her now. And so for them, they probably just think that she's just this, you know, lost child. But she's been through so much. Yeah. Yeah, it was a real gut punch for me, Minya, in this section. Because I feel like we spend the whole book and she's kind of like terrible and vindictive and scary. Like you're really Mm. worried about what Minya's going to do and she wants to unleash hell on everyone. So you're like, oh, she's not a good person. But in this section I really felt for her it complicates it yeah it doesn't matter if she's not a good person it doesn't matter what choices she makes you can understand how she gets there and I honestly don't think we would have gotten to that point if we hadn't had this whole thing about Sarai and her empathy and seeing both sides have their own hurts and they're all victims because we have the knowledge of how Sarai has lived within the gray space of both the subjugator and the subjugated she is a product of this subjugation but also Mm. she could have died because of the result of it like she is the very epitome of all of this just circular nastiness that's happened but she lives through it and she's able to see both perspectives with equal weight and give both parties like yes that hurts yes that hurts for Minya there's only the one side but because we learned with Sarai we've always known that it is 
importance to both perspectives. And because we were with Laszlo when he discovers all of this, we're able to see how hopefulness can be really healing and how it can actually like foster change. And I think also seeing Errol Fane as the liberator, but also seeing what that did to him, how that destroyed him, mm-hmm. is quite an important element as well. And we see in this section when he finally, finally cracks, right? He's finally yeah. crying and <laughs> Azarine is oh, just man. so surprised by it. And This for me comes into the knowledge, like as he sees that it is Sarai who's died, it's like the last hope he had to be okay with himself, to like get past that shame. And it even says like in page five, 18. His gasp was the rupture of the small brave hope growing inside his shame, and when Laszlo mounted Rasselas with Sarai clutched to his chest, he dropped to his knees like a warrior felled in battle. That got me, because here was somebody who had done these great and terrible things and had survived against all odds. Like, it would have been so easy to not, but he kept going. Yeah. This is what breaks him, is that he just doesn't get the redemption that he was learning to hope for. Oh, and then on that same page, that it just further down it says, and then and there for everything lost and everything stolen, both from him and by him and all those long years, the Godslayer started to sob. I just can't. There's so much acknowledgement of all the wrongs, both by the wronged parties and the people who did the retributive things, you know? No one is blameless. There's also a bit in here, I didn't write it down, but where Sarai remarks the fact that Errol Fane, you know, it's so amazing that he kept living for others, even though the easier thing would have been to just stop. Page 508, it says he had kept on living, though there are easier paths to take. Yeah, I love that bit because it comes right after Laszlo basically has made himself vulnerable as Godspawn mm. to Errol Fane. You know, he's saying, I didn't know. I didn't have this knowledge. And Errol Fane asks him how. And he's like, I don't really know. All he has is this memory. But he's looking at Errol Fane and he knows him. He knows Errol yeah. Fane. He knows he's great. He knows he's done good things. He knows he's done terrible things. And he knows that he's brave. And I just think, Aww. like, the fact that he knows him and is able to trust him, he has this hope because of the knowledge of his friend. And Errol Fane also knows Laszlo. So, again, I think if he didn't, then he would have been a different reaction. It would have been a, you've lied to us. But Errol Fane mm. trusts that Laszlo didn't know that this is a, just as big a shock for him as it is for all of them. Absolutely. My marginalia on that was just, ugh, my heart. Oh, yeah, me to too. <laughs> I had to take a break and read, like, three romance novels this week. <laughs> Fair enough. I also thought that it was quite nice to see a bit of wonder for Minya's gift because in a way it's always been used as this like horror thing you know she catches these souls she holds them against their will but both Sarai and I guess Ariel as well but Sarai and Laszlo both have this experience of wonder for for Minya's gift so in 529 Sarai talks about the sensation of re-raveling it was like being saved from drowning and on page 530 Laszlo says all he knew was gladness of second chances and the magic of possibility and it's because of Minya's gift that they have that the actual way that she like sort of came into being I thought was really beautiful 529 like an etching in the air that slowly filled with beauty Sarai was gathered out of nothingness and bound back into being what a gift though like I will highly recommend everybody to read the other series that Lainey Taylor did because it also deals with a person a character who catches souls in containers and then rebuilds bodies to make bodies for these souls so that people can sort of live infinitely but like it's in the context of an entire population being killed so it's like in the face of genocide Uh. they save these souls and then they are able to like store them and rebuild them. Right. So there's something really magical about that. And like, I love that it turns up again and again in Lainey Taylor's work. Not that you don't die, but that, you know, death is not the end necessarily. And that souls are more than just our bodies. I kind of love that. Mm. But I also really love that there's an entire person whose job is to just like hold on to the last bits of us. It feels like love. It does feel like love. 
I mean, Minya is not a healthy person, and she needs a lot of therapy. I feel like a lot of people in this book could benefit from some therapy, is all I'm saying. Oh man, Errol Fane, for they sure. They all need some EMDR. I think the healthiest person who's dealing with her trauma the best is probably Azarine, because she's got a lot of acceptance and a lot of strength, but she's not like giving up on the hopefulness. Maybe Shuela as well. Oh yeah, no, actually, you're right. She's amazing. She copes and finds the bright side and moves on. I love her. I love her too. Um, I didn't really want to talk about Sarai dying and the experience of her dying because it was too hard. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there was wonder in that, though, because previously she had wondered what the end was like because they're surrounded mm. by ghosts, they're surrounded by death, they're yeah. surrounded by this trauma, so of course, of course they thought about it. And then it goes in to say, you know, it was nothing like she'd imagined. You ever have those dreams where you're running and you're trying to go fast and you just, like, your feet are, like, lead? Mm-hmm. Like, it feels like you're just helpless as to what's happening to you and the dreamlike quality really hits Sarai. She keeps convincing herself it's a dream that it's not really true like she doesn't accept the knowledge of her death until she sees it on Laszlo's face yeah which was horrible so many moments in that I found really beautiful like he held her hair to him as if it were something worth holding I'm like of course it is it's a lot and then you know she has this moment of being re-reveled and it's this beautiful moment and then she realizes oh no Minya's gonna like control me and I can't yeah. actually exit my own being because she's in a snit because Laszlo came up and said catch her not will you please catch her but catch her so she's mad at him now how dare you come into my house and tell me to clean my room when i'm already cleaning it mom and then you know he holds sarai like she belongs to him and who does he think he is who does he think he is this stranger coming into her house i mean i relate that's why it's my in-depth marginalia (laughs) it's like so much of it is just minya being inflexible Mm. like she's unable to accept new things because she's had to micromanage everything in order to survive oh Okay, so I've had my cry. Hopefully that's the only one I have. Aww. Um, Minya knows that she and Laszlo are siblings. Yeah, he doesn't know that, obviously. Mm, yeah, he has no idea. It must be weird to know who your dad is when your dad's like a mass murdering jerk. Yeah, it'd be terrible, but I've just suddenly remembered that he closes the doors. The doors on the citadel that hasn't been closed since, you know, 16 years, 17 years ago. He closes the doors on Minya's ghosts, and how <laughs> insulting is that to her as well? <laughs> I love it. She gets so mad. He has the gift that she wishes she could have had all along. Oh, it's just the ultimate betrayal. His mere existence is the ultimate betrayal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I thought that there was so much just spite and jealousy. So much of her anger is not because Laszlo has that. It's because she didn't. Yeah, and it's not just because of his abilities. It's also the fact that he has the love of Sarai in a way. And I think for her, she's done all this stuff to keep them safe, but they don't love her because she's too too harsh, right? So she's like, but I've done it all for you. And yet you, what, you bestow your affection on this complete stranger that you do not know? By, like, compartmentalizing the Ellens and making them the mother. So she didn't have to, like, take that on, even though she did take that on. She really did herself a disservice in that she wasn't able to, like, express something for her siblings that would make them like really respond to her and love her. But I don't think she did that consciously. I don't think I feel like it's something she just did because she probably also wanted a mother, right? She was a six-year-old. She's like, I would love someone and this terrible traumatic thing that's happened to me I would like someone to look after me and so Great Ellen becomes this nurturing figure. She probably doesn't even know. I want you to hold that thought in your mind because when we do our Muse of Nightmares speed run, I (laughs) want you to like the story of the Ellens is really really important okay so look well i'll do that tonight (laughs) i know i know i'm starting it tonight too the kids haven't i've already downloaded it i'm already waiting (laughs) i love it i was gonna get my book covering out and wrap mine in plastic 
Um, yeah, so the thing I keep coming back to with Minya is that she has the idea of self-parenting, which is something I've had to do. Realizing the things that I'm not good at mean that I have to parent myself and not in a, like, self-care chocolate and bath bomb way, no, but in, like, no, a, yeah. no, and you have to go to bed on time and you actually have to, like, make yourself eat three meals a day, even if you mm-hmm. don't want to. And so much of that was just beyond my ken for so long because of having ADHD and therefore being, like, three, four years behind all my peers. I just didn't get the opportunity to learn when I was ready to learn. So, yeah, I think that Minya has got, she knows that she needs to self-parent, but she isn't really good at making sure she still has the ability to be a kid. Mm. That makes sense. I think on our other theme, knowledge, Mm. I think what we saw again here was just this struggle for people to reconcile what they think they know with the evidence before them, you know, because everyone is being asked to reframe their understanding. Like The people of Weep are being asked to reframe their understanding of Laszlo. The Godspawn are being asked to reframe their understanding of their existence because Laszlo is now here Mm. and Soraya is not like accepting that she has died is a thing in and of itself I don't want her to be a ghost I don't want her to have to share a consciousness with Minya yeah it's like Minya has funneled her own powerlessness into controlling Sarai oh and also Sparrow like being reframing of her gift you know she didn't realize that she could also kill plants not just encourage them to grow and I think there is so much these kids just don't know like that's just what really struck me was like actually you guys have no idea no one does the way she saw Sarai like a falling star Mm. that's exactly what it was like oh here I go again sorry (laughs) and also she was the only one to see Sarai actually fall like the trauma she now has too she was the last one to see her well I mean Laszlo and Errol Fane both saw her but Laszlo was like no he didn't he Mm. was like that can't be Sarai and then I loved where he said it felt filthy to hope that it was one of the other girls but he still did I love that he knew because how many times as a girl who's had like a near miss like you were on the street and then a week later someone's like kidnapped off that street you think yeah oh my gosh thank goodness it wasn't me yeah and it does feel filthy it does like you don't want to wish it was anyone else you wish it hadn't happened at all but you also feel very lucky that it wasn't you so i really that one really hit me hard Mm. laszlo's the best he really is it's just oh it was just a lot (laughs) well now that i'm in my proper weepy mode Should we do our whole book? Was that it? Was that everything we had for wonder and knowledge? I think so. Do we want to do um, out in depth before we do the whole book? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, do you want to do your in depth first? <laughs> okay, I will. The context I picked, because I'm a glutton for punishment, is that Sarai is like, her soul is separated from her body. She's dead. She's sort of like hovering over herself, watching all of this happen. And she's seeing all of the citizens of Weep, like horrified and screaming and terrified. And then she sees that she's bent over backwards and that her slip is hiked up her legs and like the strap has fallen down her arm and she feels very exposed and so this is on page 514 the sight of her poor body like this exposed to them she wanted to gather herself in her own arms and that goes back again to me what i like what i keep thinking of is like the idea of parenting yourself or having to like take care of yourself like sometimes Mm -hmm. you do have to be your own mom or your own dad or your own Mm -hmm. like trusted auntie right Mm mm-hmm And for me, this is her wanting to protect herself against things that she knows are hurtful. But she's never been able to because the whole time she has been Sarai with her moths. She's been down in the city experiencing their lives through their dreams. And she can't protect herself from them. She is actually part of them, whether they know it or not. And Mm. she's been part of their brains and their lives as long as she's been able to be part of it. I mean, she is the muse of nightmares and she is dead, but they don't know what they've lost in her. Yeah. And they don't know that she was somebody who touched 
watched all of them. And knows them. And knows them, yeah. The knowledge that she has of them. But it's only one way. Like, they don't know anything about her except the gall over skin, which is just so sad. So I think I just want to remind everybody out there who feels maybe alienated or they don't really have that community or maybe they're not connecting that. Even if it's one way, it might not always be one way. And just keep trying and communicating. And if you do need to gather yourself up and protect yourself, that is okay. Mm. Like, that is a totally valid way to live. Just when you're ready, come back out and put yourself around people who will gather you up and protect you too. Yeah, very important. It's a very watery episode. Um, Do you have some in-depth marginalia? The context of mine is Laszlo has just arrived at the Citadel to demand that Minya catch Sarai's soul. And Minya is in a state of outrage because she was going to do it anyway. And she was interrupted in this process. Like she goes through this whole thing of explaining how it actually works and how you have to really listen and pay attention. Mm. And so she's interrupted by this process. One, by her siblings like being amazed that Laszlo has arrived. And two, the fact that he has arrived. And she just like on page 524 she says like an arrogant trespassing man astride a winged metal beast the stranger dared to come here and break her focus in order to command her to do what she was going to do already. So two things I've just recently rewatched the first Pirates of the Caribbean film because mm. I had a sea shanty D&D adventure and <laughs> that just made me want to watch Pirates of the Caribbean and there's this scene where Will Turner turns up on the, the side of the Black Pearl and Jack says to him you know don't do anything stupid and then Will comes kind of plays his hand and Jack's like like that and it reminded me of this because Jack has a plan and one that he hasn't shared with anyone else mm. um, but there's so little trust or expectation of him to ever do the right thing or do anything that makes any kind of remote sense that no one really allows space for it to play out Laszlo does not entertain the idea that Minya was going to catch Sarai's soul anyway and of course she was all along like of course like her family is the most important thing to her she was always going to catch Sarai but he only knows her through Sarai's descriptions of her and she She's this frankly quite scary and vindictive and mean little girl. So he can't imagine that she would do the right thing. To him, he probably thinks like, oh good, this is what she wanted all along, like Sarai's did. And I actually really, really relate to Minya in this moment because in my own life, I've had men burst in to boss me around and tell me to do things that I was already doing. And it is really... infuriating. Yes, it is the most (laughs) annoying thing. Like when you're already intending to do something and someone comes to tell you, it's just like, this is my job. This is what I'm good at. And I need you to trust me me to do it and to give me space to do it and that's Mm. what Minya doesn't get so I guess we can use this going forward by giving people more credit and giving them the benefit of the doubt trust them to do what they're capable of doing and don't assume that they're coming from a place of bad faith and that goes both ways like if someone tries to tell you hey you should be doing this instead of automatically getting annoyed like Minya does she assumes Mm. it's arrogance actually see that it's coming from a place of grief or there's something else going on in that person's life and maybe that's why they're coming to you with this story it's not always them trying to tell you what to do as a bad faith mood and that's something that I need to remember because this is like something that gets my back up I was gonna do it anyway but thanks for telling me yeah the biggest thing that I have been doing on this point is remembering that people are not trying to be malicious yeah most of the time they're just trying to meet their own anxiety or they don't have the knowledge that you're doing the thing yeah I do think it's like a bad this assumption of bad faith right yeah we just need to expect the best of people it's someone's razor I don't remember whose razor it is but never ascribe to malice what can be attributed to ignorance oh yeah that's quite good yeah like if people just don't know they don't know yeah it's not everything's an attack on me okay Jen (laughs) remember that but if it were it's because you're amazing and they're all jealous (laughs) good to know 
Mm. That was really good. Okay, well, who do you want to spotlight for this section? Oh, I had such a hard time deciding. (laughs) I was like, Errol Fane, and then no, Laszlo, and then no, Sparrow. But I think I'm actually going to spotlight Sarai because she has just discovered this wonderful new world and she's finally having hope for the future and she's going to, you know, Laszlo's going to help her reform the world and then it all ends. Nothing is like she thought it was and she has this really terrifying moment where she's unraveling and then Minya catches her and she's like oh I'm alive and this is amazing and then it's like oh no Minya controls me and it's just what a roller coaster she's been on and she deserves better she just does everyone does yes that loss is what I want to spotlight her for like losing everything that you thought you had just gained what a terrible thing and so for anyone who is just going through a really terrible loss and a terrible time you know I just my heart goes out to you it's yeah. all terrible and no one should ever suffer okay how about you who do you want to yeah who do you want to spotlight (laughs) (laughs) um okay let me steal myself for this i'm sure it's gonna be another weepy moment i was tossing up between everybody like you were (laughs) um and i initially thought that i wanted to spotlight minya because she has had such Mm -hmm. a hard time and because she is so broken but i think we covered that so i actually want to spotlight errol fane whose role in this is very small but very significant so He's witness to Laszlo's transformation from Ferengi to Godspawn, which makes him even more of an outsider because he's now an unwanted and unlovable outsider, even though he is known and loved. So Errol Fane steps forward and interacts with him and thanks him for saving the city. Mm. This is a huge concession from the man they call the Godslayer. And then he goes and he sees that his only child, who was born from a union that he did not want but was made to want, has died. And this is like Mm. the end of the hope that he had for some kind of redemption. And he actually lets himself experience the full grief of that. And he accepts Azarine's comfort, which is also a huge thing for him. Yeah. So I just want to say, like, you're going to be alone at points in your life. And there are going to be people that you are pushing away. And that is normal. We sometimes do want to protect our soft parts by not letting people in. But sometimes they're there for a reason. They're going to hold us up and they're going to keep their arms around us so that we have somewhere to put our faces when we can no longer hold our own heads up. Also, you get the opportunity. You get the opportunity to step forward and do the right thing and recognize people for people. That is something we all get to do every day. Yeah, and you're not defined by what you've done in the past. Errol Fane has made terrible choices in the past, but this is his moment where he can actually reconcile that part. And it doesn't mean that, it doesn't make right the mistakes of the past, but you can make new choices. You can make better choices. Yes, this is not retributive justice or even restorative justice. It's transformative justice. It's finding a new place to move forward from but yeah i just needed to spotlight him because he's been kind of like on my mind as i do this reading that he's Mm. such a complex person i love that no one is fully good or full well except for laszlo he's fully great but (laughs) no one is fully good or fully bad everyone is so complicated (sighs) yeah okay we did a lot (laughs) (laughs) we've done it we've got through it okay we're tough we're brave we can do this Hmm. Okay, so should we wrap up the book? (laughs) Yeah, we should. Yeah. So I think knowledge was a good choice for our 
our overall theme. I think there was so much here about not just knowing things, but understanding what you don't know and understanding mm. the difference and how it's an evolving thing. It's never a, a complete cycle. Mm. And the way that knowledge comes in different forms, right? Like experiential mm. knowledge versus knowledge of myths, legends, and stories, which can seed to truth as Laszlo did, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they had to relearn how to travel across the Elmuthala. Mm. There was the acquisition of knowledge in order to go and get more people with more knowledge to solve their problem. And I love kind of how you know all the Ferengia are sort of united in their different kinds of knowledge. It's because mm. they are experts in certain things that they are on this journey in the first place. Like Thion's mm. desire to know how the world fits together to have that knowledge is what compels them to come along. And I just, yeah. I love that. I actually think that um, both Thion and Laszlo have like two halves of one whole thirst for knowledge. Like they really quest to find answers. But mm. for Laszlo, it's like human nature and history and mythology. And Thion's like, but I just want to do my chemistry, bro. Yeah, it's just science, right? Mm. It's science and philosophy coming together. And I've always found this because I did physics in high school and then I went on and do a, a humanities degree at university. And my physics class was the most useful thing I took into my humanities degree. Like I found it so much more interesting and so much more useful thinking back of what I'd learned in physics when I was applying it to philosophy than mm. any other subject. And that has always fascinated me because to me, I've had many arguments with people about this because it's very mm. simplistic. But to me, physics is kind of like philosophy. And I think that's where Thion sits. Like he's on this borderline with science and philosophy and he doesn't really want to indulge in that philosophical side because it's not science. But he also can't help it because it, it does answer a lot of his questions and a lot of the spaces he has in his life. And that's why I think Laszlo and Thion together, like the friendship there, I want them to be friends because I, I think know. they could learn so much from each other. I'm here for this friendship. I too would have loved the bro TP AU where they just were college roommates or something and didn't get along but then became best friends. Like, I know we're going to see the Regan and Kath. We get Regan and Kath next book, which I'm excited about. Mm. It's a similar yeah. dynamic, isn't it? Yeah. Also, no crying on that one. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. It's a bit of an easy one for Ooh. us. Yeah. <laughs> Looking forward to just like resting my tear ducts. Um, I really like how this book explores and complicates the narrative of an oppressing body and a subjugated body. Does that make sense? Like I like the children of the gods were equally as vulnerable as the citizens of wheat, but in a different way. And that really turns the idea of these all powerful people coming to torment a society on its head. Um, and I think it's a really interesting way to look at the way that people interact with other groups who are not like them. Yeah. I also thought it was interesting to think about how oppression hurts everyone. Mm. You know, I have this conversation with people a lot when I talk about feminism, right? Because a lot of men will be like, well, I'm not a feminist. You should be because the patriarchy also hurts you. And this Absolutely. is the ways in which it hurts you. I was thinking about this on my walk this morning where I don't want to get into the space where it's like, oh, there are good people on both sides. Because it's not about that. It's not that one person is wholly good or one person is wholly bad. It's that there are nuances within people and the systems in which they exist is almost tangential to that. Like here mm -hmm. we get to to see people in all their various bits and it's like when you appeal to the humanity of people that's when you can make systemic change yeah i love that bears remembering i keep thinking that they all need to just 
start over afresh and weep specifically, but also within their own prejudices, it's going to be so hard to unlearn that. And maybe it won't be unlearned, but you just have to work on not teaching it to the next generation. Mm. And maybe that's like what we're called to do as well. Like I was like, my daughter was asking me about Black Lives Matter. And so I was explaining, like, it doesn't mean anti-whiteness. It just means that there's a group of people who for, you know, years and years and years have been treated so appallingly that they're saying, hey, we matter and we just want to be treated as well as anyone else and that the systems that are in place are always gonna disadvantage those people unfairly privileged people like me Mm. so like explaining this to my kid and thinking about it in terms of this book how it's such a good way of examining the racism inherent in our own lives that we just benefit from whether we want to be racist or not is really useful Mm. yeah it's such a complex thing and that's what I kind of love about this it doesn't shy away from the complexity Mm. because there is no easy fix there isn't a hard reset where tomorrow we're like oh well everyone just move on and we'll start again like there's so much trauma and so much ramifications of that and people have their own yeah their own baggage I guess like Errol Fane and what he goes through and we're never ever ever gonna apologize for what he did because it's unforgivable but Sarai's like in her moment where she's like it's unforgivable but then she realizes she has forgiven so it's just the nuance of it is so amazing I think and you know what? Because I, the first time I read it, I've said that I didn't love it. Like, I liked it. It was fine, but I didn't mm. love it. But I think having slowed down and really taken the time to just sit and chew over this topics have really highlighted that complexity and that empathy and all of that so much more. Like, I didn't even really pick up on it the first time I read it. And I think that's the real power of this book. And it made me think about how many books I've read in the past where I just read them as I normally do and then went, oh, that was all right. I don't really understand why people love this so much. It's like, hey, maybe you should just read properly. Thoughts? Um. Okay, well, I do the same thing. So I just read like three books this week and I could not tell you all of the main characters' names mm. of the books I just read. So, But I guess it's like different kinds of reading for different purposes, right? Exactly. Like I just need something light and easy to read. So, yeah. And like what I also love is that this has kind of pulled me up short. Like I've told you before about how I don't want to read an unfinished series blah 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 whinge 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 I think I do a disservice to books by coming at it from that point of view because even if I ha- wasn't going to read Muse of Nightmares like I've learnt so much from this book and I've learnt so much like it had so much to teach me and so much to say and it's really made me like re-examine things in my own life in different ways and I've really taken a lot from it and just because a story doesn't isn't finished doesn't mean it doesn't have value and I think that's something really important for me to remember. I also learned a lot from slowing down and rereading this. I got so much more through this. And I think I've read this book four or five times. And I feel you on not wanting to start a series until it comes out. Because you do want to know. Like, finishing this book, knowing that Muse of Nightmares is right there. And I could read it. But I was like, no, I'm waiting until after we record. It was so hard. And it was just like a week. It was a week. Yeah. Um, So I can't imagine all those people back in 2017 who are like, we've got years before the next one comes out. Yeah. And I think that's also just me, though. Because I will read the last chapter or the last page of a book. If I'm, like, really into a book, I'm like, I can't. The stress is too much. I need to know. So I'll go read the last page just to see who. Who's alive still? What is happening? But see, now you have me. Yes, thank you. You <laughs> fulfill a very important service to me. <laughs> um, did you want to do another marginalia? Did you want to say what your favorite one was? We don't have to go in depth on it, but um, so yeah, I I've chosen a piece of marginalia on page one hundred and thirty-five. 
it is when Soraya's talking to Feral and it's kind of funny and Feral is talking about how he's gonna filter through the girls and like it'll be fine like you know this is just what I have to do as the only boy here and the Godspawn sister waves yeah and yeah. Soraya's like really dismissive of it and she, he's like well you know it's an imperfect situation and she's like oh imperfect is that what we're calling and he's like a <laughs> bit imperfect yeah and she says page 135 you know she starts laughing at him and she says and that's how you go on you lay laughter over the dark parts the more dark parts the more you have to laugh with defiance with abandon with hysteria any way you can and i've chosen this as my in-depth modulator for the whole book because i think it's such an important thing life is full of dark moments there are times when things are incredibly hard and like errol fane it would actually just be easier to just lie down on the ground and not get back up but we go on through the people that we love and by finding moments of joy and finding moments of light and laughter because there always is even when i'm at my most depressed there are things that are going to make make me laugh and like you know hold the people that you love close and hold those things that you love close and that's how we get through the dark times of which there will be many find the thing that makes you come back up to a good level and then do that thing yeah okay what about you what do you have a in-depth marginalia for us i do so for the whole book i kept thinking about laszlo as like this was his journey too and maybe mostly his journey Mm. but my in-depth marginalia for the whole book comes from page 58 and it's when he's sort of like feeling a bit bereft because you know Thion's just swiped all of his books and he just doesn't really have anything and then he sees the wraith the white bird and he admits that you know he had always been scared he would never see magic and the quote I have is Laszlo had never doubted it but he feared he'd never see proof of it and I just really love it because he is magic he is he has this innate ability it is within him and it always was he was the thing that he believed in but he didn't know he was the proof of it and I just like it blows my mind that you like walk around every day thinking maybe you're not enough but you were totally more than enough and also the thing that you were looking for oh I love that Honestly, I think that we as humans are so capable of growth and change and knowledge and like ability. And I love reading about magic because I love the idea of transformation. But also, you are all that you need sometimes. Maybe most of the time. I just love that. We just need to believe. It sounds trite, but it's actually not. It's like you are everything that you need. Mm, mm -hmm. You can be everything you need in yourself. So yeah, that's my book, Marginalia. That you don't have to doubt it. You don't need proof. You are the proof. Yeah. I love that. What a great way to bring it all together in the book. I love it. It was a big story and a holy moly. I can't wait to read Bees of Nightmares with you. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for reading this with me, Jen. I'm so glad that you liked it. Oh, thank you for suggesting it. Like, I'm glad that I spent the time with it. I really learned a lot. Yeah, and I'm really excited to start fangirl with you too because that is going to be so much fun. I'm really excited because it actually is a really low stakes book in a way, so (laughs) because it doesn't have these big world wielding consequences of the books that we've read. I suppose the Scorpio races wasn't like that either. Uh, well, yeah, but like they could have died. Yeah, and and also they could have lost the house. Yeah, and Tommy Falk, like we, like I was just listening to some of our season one, and I was like, we were super into this, and I'm like, yeah, I still would be if I read it again. Well, I'm looking forward to fangirl as well because I am a fangirl and the mm. ability to really like just unpick that a little bit is cool too and also the fact that it's kind of tangential Harry Potter fangirl yeah. situation so I really really relate to that um, I actually just want to talk to you about something regarding the dark mark because I talked <laughs> okay. about Simon so remind me after I we finish up here then I will call okay. him in and we can talk about it together but yeah <laughs> 
well, we're going to take a little break because you're going to come and visit me in real life. And then we're going to come back and we're going to watch Thor Ragnarok. And we're going to discuss it through the themes of family and memory. Um, and watch the space because there might be another little bonus. Yeah. We might do a little Muse of Nightmares chat just to... Just to round it off. Yes, yeah, soothe our own, like, frayed nerves and yeah, get all of that out of the way. But um, thank you so much for potting with me and for taking on this book, which is literally a behemoth of a book. She's very big, I have to say. Yeah. I was When I was writing my marginalia today, and I'm like, page 529. Oh my goodness. Like, actually, crazy. She's corpulent, but we love yeah. her. Yeah, but she was well worth it. So thank you so much for um, sharing your insights. I've learned so much, and it's always a delight. Oh, it's so good. I love that we're doing this. And I love your brain. I love how it works. It's amazing. <laughs> Every time I learn something new, and I'm so grateful that we get the opportunity to do this. Me too. All right. I'll see you in a few weeks in real life. How exciting. I know. Bye. Bye. <laughs>